Welcome to Choir Talks. My name is Greg O'Neill. I'm the worship pastor at Ridgecrest Baptist Church in Madison, Mississippi, and Choir Talks is my weekly podcast. I was surprised to look back and see that I had never done a podcast on Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is one of the first scriptures that I memorized, and it's such a beautiful work of art, but even beyond that, it is a powerful scripture and one that can give us insight and strength throughout all of our lives. Psalm 23 starts with the picture of a shepherd and his sheep. The image of shepherd is a very pervasive image in the Old Testament, even in the New Testament, uh, beginning with Abel, that first martyr, and then all of the patriarchs of Israel, Moses when he was in the wilderness, David, the great king, all of these were shepherds at one point or another in their lives. God also is pictured as the shepherd who shepherds Israel. Uh, You can see that in Genesis and Psalms and Isaiah and Jeremiah. Here in this Psalm, David has us view God as the shepherd, but he has has us do it through the eyes of the sheep. And it really gives you insight. It gives you a great perspective. He starts this way, the Lord is my shepherd. That phrase sets up the theme for the whole psalm. The word Lord here is um, the word Yahweh. It's not Elohim, which is the more generic word for God, but Yahweh is particularly the covenant name for God, the covenant-making name for God, the God who enters in time, forms a relationship, and then makes a promise. Yahweh, Roi is the Lord is my shepherd. And that's one of those compound names. Uh, Those compound names for God in the Old Testament are so rich with meaning. They give us a deeper understanding into God's character. And those compound names can empower our prayer and our our worship. We're going to come back to that idea. So hang on to that. I love how in the beginning he says the Lord is my shepherd. It's not just some impersonal, higher power out there. It's the God that David has a relationship with, my shepherd. So here's the point in our podcast where we have the obligatory grandchild story. Uh, My grandson, just when I thought he couldn't do anything more to endear himself to me, this month he started saying, my Afi, which Afi is my grandparent name. So now he says, my Afi, or only my Afi. I'm telling you, that my right there is powerful. Uh, Now, I'm not trying to equate God to a grandfather, but when he said my Afi to me, that, that painted a picture in my head about the bond that is created through a relationship. And I see that more deeply now when I hear David say, the Lord is my shepherd. Okay, no more talking about my grandson. Ha, at least until the next episode. All right, what's the first benefit from this relationship with my shepherd? It is that I lack nothing, David says in Psalm 23. I lack nothing means that God is adequate. Now that might sound underwhelming, but it's not. God is able to supply all I need throughout every phase of life. When you read Psalm 23 and hear David talking about 
God is his shepherd. You might picture David as that shepherd boy writing this psalm, but David probably wrote this psalm later in life, maybe during the time when his own son Absalom uh, had um, was at war against him. By this point in his life, David had seen God provide through all the struggles in his life, and he could truly say God is adequate for everything. Psalm 23 goes on to say, He makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me beside still water. Lie down makes me think of Sabbath, um, that, that rest that God has ordained for us to have in His presence, that rest that He calls us to on a regular basis. There are some things that I wouldn't have known about a shepherd and a sheep without uh, the help of Google and the Internet, but here's something I learned. A shepherd doesn't drive his sheep he leads them. And so that's a powerful picture of what David is expressing here. Also, I learned that sheep won't lie down when they are hungry. They would only lie down in green pastures when their bellies are full. Sheep are afraid of moving water, so they only drink water that is still or stilled perhaps by a shepherd who might dam up a brook so that the sheep can see still water. Those phrases speak to me about how God takes care of us. Psalm 103 says that God knows our frame, that we are but dust. In other words, he knows our weaknesses and our needs and how to meet those needs. Psalm 23 goes on to say that he restores my soul. Now now we see that we're not just talking about physical needs. We're really talking about on the spiritual level. Uh, he meets my spiritual needs. He restores. That, that word is powerful. If you've ever felt broken, you know that restore is a beautiful word. Then it says, He guides me along the right paths for His name's sake. The God of righteousness guides me for His name's sake. Uh, sometimes when you read Psalm 23, you might be tempted to see it from such a me-centered place that you might think that it's all these benefits are about me, but the truth is that we are made for God's glory and the glory of his name. So he, he guides us in paths of righteousness for his glory. Then there's the phrase about the valley of the shadow of death. David knew this valley. Saul the previous king had pursued him for a long time, trying to kill him. He had to hide in caves and places in the wilderness to avoid being killed. David also knew the pain of losing a child to death. His life had not been easy. The valley can be an ominous place. That's a perfect picture for the valley of the shadow of death. In, the, in a valley, you can't always see the enemy. Uh, they might be hidden on the cliff in such a way that they're out of your sight line, but that they can see you. The valley is a vulnerable place. A couple of years ago, my wife and I had the chance to hike through a slot canyon. I don't know if you know a, what a slot canyon is, but it's a narrow canyon where the walls are on either side of you and there's just enough room for a narrow path. You can't see what's around the corner in a slot canyon. Uh, and the sun is has to be right overhead for you to see it at all. So most of the time you're there, you are in the shadow. 
So that paints a picture of me of what it's like just to walk in the shadows and not being able to see or know what's right around the corner. Here's what David finds in the valley, though, confidence. It's not a, I trust in myself, I can do it confidence, but it's the confidence that comes from knowing that you have God's strength with you. He says specifically what gives him confidence is God's rod and God's staff. The the rod is what you would use to drive away an enemy or a wild animal. The staff with the crook on it is what you would use to keep the sheep close and in safety. Now the psalm switches pictures. God is no longer the shepherd in this picture at the end of the psalm. Now he's the host. He's hosting a banquet in my honor. And there's something crazy about this banquet. Listen to this. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Think about the juxtaposition here of joyfully eating a comfortable uh, banquet meal and the idea of sitting in a room with all of your enemies and how the, the apprehension you would have about that. And think about David's enemies. They carried swords and spears, right? But in this picture, those enemies are subdued because of God's power. Because of God's power, we eat in peace, even though those enemies are present. We don't face swords and spears, uh, but we do have an enemy that is even more powerful, uh, one that has this agenda, according to Jesus. He is here to steal, kill, and destroy. This banquet is not uh, thrown in the absence of these enemies, but in their presence. So in the first part of this psalm, we found uh, confidence and provision, not in the absence of troubles, but in the midst of trouble. Here in the last part of the psalm, we find peace, not in the absence of conflict, but in the midst of it. The psalm goes on to say, You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Those both are beautiful pictures of God's blessing, his abundance. It made me think of uh, 1 John that says, Behold what manner of love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. And then the psalm ends by saying, Surely your goodness and love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The phrase goodness and love is a reference to Exodus 34 where God speaks about himself and he says that he is a God of goodness and faithful love. And the very last blessing he leaves us with is is hope. Hope, uh, not a wishful kind of hope, but a hope of certainty that we have a forever relationship that extends beyond this life, beyond the grave, to our faithful shepherd and host. All right, let's go back to those compound names for God, those that show up in the Old Testament. And we'll just do a little bit of Hebrew really quick and see how many of those are illustrated just in this one psalm. I've already mentioned uh, Jehovah Roi, the Lord, my shepherd. But as he says, I shall not want, he's really talking about Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. Still waters means that he's referring to Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. 
restores my soul speaks to Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. Paths of righteousness makes us think of Jehovah Tzidkenu, the Lord our righteousness. You are with me, Jehovah Shema, the Lord is there. Presence of my enemies, Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is our banner. Anoint my head, Jehovah Imkadesh, the Lord who sanctifies. And I can't leave this psalm without reminding you of what Jesus said. In John chapter 10, he said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. I hope you have a great day. God bless you.